0: follow my substack, you know that over the past six months, I have frequently covered the vaccine mandates in Canada. I've been raising questions about the scientific rationale for these mandates. And this week, we got some answers. My guest on today's podcast published new reporting at Barry Weiss's substack, Common Sense, in a piece titled, Court documents reveal Canada's travel ban had no scientific basis. Rupa Subramanya is a columnist for the National Post. Her reporting received international attention earlier this year when she published a piece on the Trucker Convoy, also for Barry Weiss, titled, What the Truckers Want. Rupa Subramanya is my guest today on Lean Out. Rupa, welcome to Lean Out.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for having me here.
0: I've been wanting to speak with you since you're reporting during the Trucker Convoy. Another big story from you this week. Can you set this up for listeners? You obtained recently released federal court documents in a lawsuit filed by two Canadian residents. To start off, who are the plaintiffs?
1: Uh, so the plaintiffs are Sean Rickard of Pickering, Ontario, and Carl Harrison of uh, Vancouver. Uh, uh, he lives in Vancouver. And they um, filed a joint suit back in December. It was initially Sean, and then Carl Harrison heard about this case uh, this case or he heard that Sean had been raising money to fight this case and he decided to basically partner up with him and they filed this lawsuit together. Uh, So that was back in December and then I believe the cross-examinations happened in April, May, um, all the way into June and I think by about mid-June they had finished all the cross-examinations. Hmm. And how
0: would you summarize the the main arguments being made on behalf of the plaintiffs here from the lawyers?
1: Sorry, the main argument, main arguments
0: are, here. So they're they're filing for
1: damages, correct? Right. So this this has been amended to the original application, I believe. And uh, the main arguments really are at this point based on the cross exam- examinations that have happened, and you know, and the documents that uh, we now have access to is that that this that the government always insisted that the travel mandate or the federal mandate that applied to civil servants was uh, dictated by science and the evidence. And the cross-examinations prove that there was very little science behind any of this. And the, the team at Transport Canada Called COVID recovery. It's fairly secretive. It comprises of 20 people on this panel, and none of them are doctors, epidemiologists, infectious diseases specialists. You know, and here they crafted the travel mandate, which, according to the director general of this group, uh, was uh, one of the harshest in the world, uh, one of the strictest in the world. And and you know, and that that we know is is a fact because many of us have actually experienced trying to uh, leave. Canada or enter Canada, uh, which was you know always pretty challenging, especially if you were unvaccinated, and 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 so this this group came up with this travel mandate. They concocted it. They were the architects behind it. But you know, not not a single person on that group had any kind of a medical background, and the main person has a bachelor's degree in English literature. And on cross examination, you know, we we realized that PHAC didn't recommend these mandates there i don't think they were even consulted on the mandates and 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 so you know when you don't have teresa tam at the table you have to wonder like where where was the science behind yeah. the travel vaccine mandate
0: in this, this COVID recovery panel, I had, I had never heard of this body before, and I, I did work throughout the pandemic, so that is significant. Uh, Jennifer Little, uh, Director General of COVID Recovery, she testified that discussions about the vaccine mandate were at a senior and very senior level. She would not disclose who ordered the mandate, but said, I am not at liberty to disclose anything that is subject to cabinet confidence. What do you see as a reasonable interpretation of those facts?
1: Well, that's that's what what I say in my uh, in my story. I mean, the you know cabinet confidence is is a very interesting term. Uh, basically, that you know it implies that whoever executed the mandate and decided it was was in the cabinet. Uh, it could have been the prime minister himself or members of his cabinet. So she was repeatedly asked to divulge more details behind the travel mandate, but she just kept you know she just kept saying that i'm I'm not at liberty to say this. these discussions, these conversations. I also find the found that term very interesting in the transcript where she refers to these as conversations, <laughs> you know, something that's fairly, major that affects like five, six million Canadians, you just don't have conversations about it, you know, and, and, and so it was, it was very clear that, that here is a civil servant invoking cabinet confidentiality when civil servants shouldn't hide behind a shroud of secrecy, as the lawyer himself pointed out, and I thought that was a, that was a very good point. But yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, we we don't quite know who made the decision, but we can infer from from when when she says that this, you know, I can't divulge any more details because it's subject to cabinet confidentiality. We know the decision was finally made in the cabinet.
0: And you reported on an email exchange in October of 2021 right. regarding the scientific rationale for the mandate. What did you learn from the court documents on that?
1: Well, so the email exchange is pretty interesting. It was, um, it happens a couple of weeks, maybe even less than that, before the travel vaccine mandate went into effect. And it's an exchange between um, an individual called Aaron McCrory, I think he's the assistant associate deputy minister and, uh, and someone from PHAC called Don Lumley-Mailari. And he, um, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's at Transport Canada and, and this official at PHAC, is an official at PHAC. And then this email exchange, you can you can see in the back and forth that they're really trying to look for a rationale behind the travel mandate. And this is less than two weeks before it was, you know, about to kick in. Um, and I can read the quote to you from from the piece uh, where uh, the Mr. McCrory is saying, to the extent that updated data exist, or that there's clear evidence of the safety benefit of vaccination on the users or the, or other stakeholders of the transportation system, it would be helpful to assist Transport Canada supporting its measures. Now he doesn't get a reply immediately; he's waiting on this, waiting for a response for a few days. And uh, and he follows up with another email saying, "Look, I haven't heard from you. The mandate is about to kick in, and just uh, in just over a week, so we need something fairly soon, something really quick." And and then he gets uh, an email a, a couple of days later, a few days later uh, from this official at PHAC, uh, and she and what she provides is very interesting. It's just a very generic a set of rationale uh, for vaccination. Uh, vaccines are good for you. You know, the ki- the sort of things that we've been hearing throughout the pandemic. Vaccines save lives. Everybody should get vaccinated. Um, and uh, uh, we've seen that with the Delta variant. We've seen that with, uh, um, you know, all kinds of other variants. So please get vaccinated. So these are just, these, these are just general sort of um, justifications for vaccination, but they don't actually specifically relate to the travel vaccine mandate. So, what exactly was the rationale? Uh, these are just general public health considerations from pHAC, stuff that you and I have been exposed to throughout the pandemic uh, since vaccination began and then, of course, a couple of days later, the mandate comes into effect so that's uh, that that was that was the email exchange with that which I thought was very telling uh that they didn't really have a justification for a mandate as it related to travelers it's uh
0: it's, it's very, so I, I've started going through the documents, as you well know, there are hundreds of pages of them. Oh,
1: yeah, so, yeah, so this is, again, I want to say this to people who've been asking me for the documents, you are able to access the documents, and anybody can access these documents. Yeah, they are
0: um, unsealed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and and so so some of the bizarre reactions that I've been getting is that these documents don't exist. I'm just making this all up. And, you know, where where's the link to these documents? But you can't get a link to the documents. You can't just download them. You have to request access to uh, court documents. That's just how the process works. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So, you know, I just want people to know that you can go and get these documents and make up your own mind. If, if you don't believe me, that's fine. But just go through them and see what's going on and, you know, and make up your own mind. What is Maxime
0: Bernier's name on these documents? What was his role here?
1: Um, so Maxime Bernier and Brian Peckford are fighting. Um, they they have a separate case. But what ended up happening is that there were three other cases, you know, which were being heard on the same subject, I believe, on the same on the same issue. And so for, you know, just just to expedite matters and to just uh, for efficiency reasons, you know, they were all being heard together and their lawyers Maxine Bernier's lawyers uh, were also cross-examining the same 16 government witnesses.
0: Oh, I see. So separate lawsuit. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 16 government officials testified in this lawsuit. As I start going through the documents, there's a number of troubling facts revealed here. Here's just one. Dr. Celia Lorenko, Director General at Health Canada, the person who authorized the vaccine in Canada. It appears to me she was not consulted by the Ministry of Transport before implementing the, the vaccine mandates. Is that correct?
1: That is, that is correct. It's not just Celia Lorenko, It's uh, Lisa Waddell, who is the, um, I believe she is the head of the Integrated Risk Assessment, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, one other individual, Eleni uh, Galanis. None of these individuals were consulted. The person undertaking risk assessment for um, the pandemic was not consulted on the travel vaccine mandate. And this individual had also not done, her her unit hadn't done, undertaken a risk assessment for Omicron. And her uh, reason was that, well, I only came into this job in December, but you know we've had Omicron since December, so what's what's the holdup here? Hmm. Uh, so you don't even know the size of the problem here, right? What, what exactly are you dealing with? How how big of a problem is Omicron if you've not done a risk assessment? So on on that basis, how are you justifying these mandates?
0: Hmm. And again, I have just started reading, but mm-hmm. Rupa, I as I go through, I haven't yet seen any specific criteria from any witness. Mm-hmm used in the government's decision to implement these mandates to yeah. maintain these vaccine mandates or or revoke them which yeah. they did is that accurate
1: is yeah. there any uh criteria No, no, I, I didn't see any and uh this is a question that was repeatedly asked I think to every witness uh, by the lawyer and um there was no answer. There was, There's was no criteria. It, you, you just got these standard responses. Vaccines save lives. It's important to get vaccinated. We want to ensure the uh, safety and integrity of the transportation system, which Jennifer Little says repeatedly over and over again. But no, there was no criteria. There was no, uh, They were asked, you know, what's the criteria for lifting the mandates? And nobody could answer
0: and so for this lawsuit, these two uh, Canadian residents, they're, they're claiming damages. They were not able to, in some cases, operate their business in terms of business travel. They weren't mm-hmm. able to visit elderly parents in the UK. What is the next step for this lawsuit now?
1: I believe there's the um, mootness motion that is being heard in September. The attorney general has uh, filed a mootness motion so to basically kill this case. Why? Because the mandates are suspended, but Here's the thing. I mean, the attorney general is doing this on the one hand. And on the other hand, you have government ministers saying that, hey, you know, we could actually bring these mandates back if we think that um, whatever variant is circulating at that time is this, you know, leads to um, hospitals overcrowding and uh, and so on. So you you have this discrepancy between what the attorney general is trying to do and what the health minister, the transportation minister a whole bunch of people who are part of the cabinet have been very clear, you know, you know, look, we're suspending it now, but you know, in the fall, if we think things are getting out of control, we could bring them back. Hmm.
0: So we're, we're taping this on Wednesday. Your story came out yesterday. What mm-hmm. has the response been so far?
1: Uh, it's been extraordinary. I um, have had uh, a lot of reactions. Um, you know, for some people it's been very emotional because they all, all always felt that uh, there was politics behind the mandates they knew it they knew that there was no science behind any of this and uh, and the story just proved that and uh, yeah it's been phenomenal um, and I I just uh, you know I just hope the mainstream media thinks this story is important because I'm, I'm a little surprised or maybe I shouldn't be I don't know but you know I, I would have wanted them to these documents have been out there for two weeks and 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 so anybody could have accessed them and you know, someone could have written this before me uh, if they wanted to. But I really hope now that they're aware of it, that someone pursues this because uh, this is this is an obviously important story. And I don't think you can look the other way. And if you and if, if, if that ends up happening, it's not going to be a good look for uh, the mainstream media. Mm.
0: And what about the government? We, we will ask. I have reached out to Jennifer Little and to Transport Canada for comment. Have you heard anything from the government since your piece came out?
1: Uh, no none no there, there have been no reactions from the government so far. Mm-hmm. And to close, I, I want
0: to your point about the mainstream media here. I I'd like to ask you for a point of analysis here. If you could speculate mm-hmm. just for a moment, mm-hmm. as you point out, these documents have been circulating for two weeks. why do you think why do you think you're the first journalist to cover this? Why is there so little interest from the mainstream media on the issue of vaccine mandates?
1: I you know, I, you know, I, I, it's 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 a tough question. It's a difficult question because I'm also, in a sense, part of the mainstream media. I have a platform at the National Post. I write uh, a, a regular column for them, um, and I have a lot of respect for um, uh, uh, many people in the mainstream media, and I look up to them. But I, you know, I I I'd, I'd like to think that you know they weren't aware of this, and you know they're just. Uh, Bogged down with other things, perhaps there are other priorities, uh, maybe, and maybe they'll get to the, get to it. I hope that they do. I I I, I hope that they don't ignore it, and uh, but you know, uh, here's an opportunity for them to to pursue this. But but in in general, I think I would say that I've noticed. That, uh, you know, just going back to the truckers protest uh, back in February, there was something similar going on. Right. I mean, I was I live in Ottawa and I happened to get the story behind what what these people actually wanted. You know, I spoke to them. I um, spent time walking through these uh, the protests. I spoke to more than 100 people, truckers, protesters, you name it and uh and and i felt that the big story there was being completely ignored they were being characterized as white supremacists racist misogynists and uh, and that they were about to overthrow the canadian government i didn't see any of that and and for me i'm a, i'm a freelancer and i'm I, you know and i'm fairly new to reporting, I would say. And, uh, you know, my, I got my start writing columns. That's what I do. And 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 so I, I started tweeting about it. And I said, you know, and I, I would mock sort of the mainstream commentary, this, this corrosive narrative that was starting to take hold, uh, which characterized the truckers and the protesters as a bunch of insurrectionists. And, you know, they were really cast in very poor light. And, uh, and I would mock it through sarcasm. And I would send these tweets, you know, I'm a five foot three, brown person walking the mean streets of Ottawa, and I'm being mobbed by people who want to give me hugs, and they're carrying (laughs) around these hateful signs of love and peace. And, you know, and it's, it's, um, you know, I just I can't take it anymore. People in Ottawa are actually dancing. And that's a fairly new thing for Ottawa. And, You know, I I just, I just, it was just mocking the whole thing. And it really resonated with a lot of people. And uh, here I am. I mean, I, you know, I I didn't, I didn't experience any, any kind of racism. In fact, you know, these were some of the nicest Canadians I've I've ever met in my life. And so I wrote about it for Barry. And this was the big story that the mainstream media once again missed. It it shouldn't have, I mean, I happened to be there at the right place at the right time, but anybody could have done what I did. It, It really was that simple really that simple. And, uh, and here too, look, I mean, this is a story that i worked on my own with, with the guidance of my editors. I, you know, I don't have the resources of being part of a news organization. I don't have, uh, I'm not part of a team. I work, you know, at, at home here in Ottawa, uh, and I spent my birthday reading through the documents. You know, and I was pulling all nighters, going through them, and I've read them like three times now. And wow. uh, yeah, and I I I really worked very hard on this. And if I can do it, surely you know the likes of the Globe and Mail, the CBC, CTV—they have a lot of money. They can do this. It's not that hard. But. You're going to want to do it. You know, you have to have a desire to pursue this story. And I think it's a very important story.
0: Well, it will be very interesting to see where this lands. Uh, Thank you for your reporting on this, Rupa. Thank you for your reporting on the truckers. And uh, great to have you on.
1: Thank you so much, Tara.
0: Lean Out did request comment from Jennifer Little and from Transport Canada. Transport Canada provided me with a statement which reads in part... The safety and security of Canada's transportation system is Transport Canada's top priority. The COVID Response and Recovery Team relies on the public health guidance of federal health partners, notably the Public Health Agency of Canada, to inform its policy work. The COVID Response and Recovery Team continues to be the focal point within Transport Canada for ongoing efforts related to Canada's response to COVID-19. The vaccine mandate in the transportation sector limited the risk of COVID-19 transmission and infection, helped keep Canada's transportation sector, including travellers and employees, safe and secure, and allowed for essential domestic and international travel and the transportation of essential goods. Vaccination is one of the most effective tools to reduce the risk of COVID-19 for Canadians, which is why the Government of Canada continues to take action to ensure as many Canadians as possible get vaccinated. The Government of Canada will continue to evaluate measures and will not hesitate to make adjustments based on the latest public health advice and science to keep Canadians and the transportation system safe and secure. You can read the full statement at my Substack, .substack tarahenley.substack.com. Out is hosted and produced by myself, Tara Henley. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing at tarahenley.substack.com.